Everybody likes a good story. So today, I'm going to tell you a story in real time. In other words, the story is real. It's true. It's, it's happening as we speak. It's happening as you sit here and I speak to you. This, this story is happening. Through this, this story, it's, it's, it's our story. It's the story of, of, of you. Through this story, you Christians here in today's audience, you will understand a biblical doctrine. You'll understand a biblical doctrine by understanding the dangers and responsibilities associated with this doctrine, this, this teaching that's found in the Bible. Our story today follows the plot line of, of the classics. We are in the exposition or beginning uh, phase and we'll continue, as you notice, a slight then ever steeper rise of action to the climax of our story today. The, the story of us, the story of Christians here at, at Fountainhead and the action of our story will fall... the world but not of the world do I quote scripture when I say that that's not that's actually there is no such scripture that says you've got to be in the world but not of the world but today's teaching is most certainly found in scripture in this story of us we have we learn from Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, if you'll turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9, that we are not to keep company with sexually immoral people. But he didn't mean of this world, because to do so, to do so would mean that we would have to go out of the world, he says. But here begins a major problem in the plot of our story. The plot thickens, as they say. James says, if you'll turn there, James chapter 4. In James chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, the reason we fuss, the reason we fight, and have generally a bad attitude is this huge desire for pleasure. Then James calls us an A word. He does. Adulterers and adulteresses is what he calls Christians. He's calling Christians adulterers and adulteresses. adulteresses He's calling Christians this. And in our story today, I'm calling some of you that. In our story today, if you claim to be a Christian, the bride of Christ, and you are running after the world, you should be on that show Cheaters. 
because you're cheating on Jesus. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Let me caution you this morning. Do not love the world, 1 John 2, 15-17. All that's in the world is lust and pride. And it's not of God. It's of the world. It's safe to say that if you are in and of the world, you are in the world and out of God. Let me caution you. If you live according to the flesh, Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 9, you cannot please God. Let me caution you. Romans chapter 8, verse 13, if you live like the world in the flesh, you will die. Christians, let me caution you this morning. If you escape the world but commit spiritual adultery and go back to the world after knowing and obeying the truth without making things right, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 22, the end for you is worse than the beginning. It would have better, been better if you had not known the way of truth. That have turned your back on it. This world is corrupt. We live in a corrupt society. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, it's polluted. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. Filled with lust and pride, as we've said, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. The world is filled with the unrighteous who will not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. The world is corrupted by the works of the flesh that we read about in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 20. The world is, is ignorant of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. Ignorant. It does not know God. John 14, verse 17, because they will not know God. The world is in darkness. And when a light is brought into that darkness, the world runs because men love darkness rather than than light. Because their deeds are evil. John 3, verse 19 We are to go into all the world and preach the gospel, Acts 26, verse 18, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light because Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, the corrupt have no hope and are without God in the world. But you Christians, do you remember the point of your story when you were called? Do you remember... When you were called by the gospel, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14, you heard the word of God, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, and you knew that you must believe, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. That if you didn't repent, that you would perish, Luke 13, 3, and if you confessed with your mouth, you would be saved, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. So you repented and you were baptized, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And had your sins washed away, Acts 22, verse 16. And you were added to the church. It's the climax of your story, Acts chapter 2, verse 47. 
For you are a chosen generation, 1 Peter 2.9. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. You are the called of Christ. Romans chapter 1 verse 6. It's the climax of your story. Being in the church. And the world hates you. The world hates you. Just like it hated Jesus, John chapter 15, verses 18 through 19. The world hated Jesus and the world hates you. And here is your climactic decision that you've got to make this morning. Here is the climactic decision that you must make in your story. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. Do you seek to please men or do you seek to please God? If you seek to please men, your story is already written. It's already done. It's already over. The way is set. You tell a different story than what we're going to tell this morning if it is your choice to please men. But if you are in the church today and seek to please God, you've got work to do because you're involved in a love story. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 27. You're involved in a love story. Christ loved the church, it says in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, and gave himself for her. Christ doesn't cheat on his bride. He sanctified, it says, and, and cleansed her with the washing of the water by the word, so he could have, notice in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, so that he could have a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. We're to be holy, it says, without blemish. And we cannot do this by constantly cheating, by constantly committing spiritual adultery with the world. In the church, we have commitments. We have a commitment to those of the world. There there are many of the world that we know about, and we have a commitment to them. We have a commitment to keep ourselves unspotted by the world. James chapter 1, verse 27. We've got to keep our commitments. It's part of pure religion, James says. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 12. The grace of God that brings salvation teaches that we must deny ungodliness. We must deny worldly lusts. We must live soberly, righteously, and godly right now. This story is right now. This story is real time. It's the story of you. It's your story. Right now, the world must see our conduct, Christians. The world must see our conduct as worthy of the gospel of Christ. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. We must be committed. Our conduct must be honorable. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. To those in the world. 
Peter says. That when they speak, it says, Peter writes, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. When we obeyed the gospel and put Christ on in baptism, we made a commitment. We made a commitment to take the gospel into all the world. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. We must, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, conduct ourselves in the world with simplicity, Paul writes, and godly sincerity. That's how we must act. But not only must we fulfill our commitment to the world, those outside the church, we have a commitment to our worldly brethren in the church. Oh yes, there are worldly brethren in the church. We have a commitment to them and we must be, we must be conscientious. And like I did at the beginning of our story today, caution and warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Be patient with all. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse, verse 14. This takes communication. To have better communication, we got to communicate. We got to talk to each other. We got to have stronger relationships in the church. We must communicate correctly. Even to our worldly brethren, we must communicate the concept of tough love sometimes. Sometimes we've got to withdraw, if need be, from, from every brother who walks disorderly. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. We are to note them, it says, and not keep company with them that they might be ashamed. Tough love, I know, but hey, we've got to communicate that if need be. But in the same sense, we're to show care to those who are overtaken by the world. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. And in the spirit of gentleness, try to restore our Christian brothers and sisters. And if we do so, James writes in James chapter 5, verse 20, if we do so, we'll help save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And now, we have come to the end of our story. Are you in the world or of the world? Let me caution you once more. So that you can have a good ending to your story. The world is corrupt. But those called out of the world by the gospel and who have obeyed are in the church, and we must be a committed people, conscientious. We must communicate and truly care. Are you in or out? Are you in or of? Is this the end for you? It doesn't have to be. Come right now.